Jaguar Radio Program. Raw and uncut, you jag, you know how you do it. You know what I'm saying? Keeping it all the way live. Broadcasting live from Hutchinson, Kansas. Well, I'm sitting here with a linguist. I had no idea. <laughs> I love I didn't that. know you were the but I didn't know that you were a wordsmith. <laughs> Call Jiggy right now. 267 22 Jiggy. Daddy Monday. Hey, Jiggy, what's happening, man? It reminds me of that uh, David Bowie song. Jiggy play guitar. Je- it's a great name, man. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Presenting. I'm, I'm Mike Massey, and uh, you know, you can catch me on Jiggy Jag TV and uh, see a few of my trick shots there. Thanks very much. Jiggy Jaguar. I never knew what freedom was until I saw you lose yours. It is a fast and furious iHeartRadio edition of the world-famous Chicky Jaguar Radio Program. Coast to coast to border to border today, we've got Dan Perkins with us. Don Mazzella was unavailable, but we're going to try to get him during the commercial break. If you want to get a hold of us on Facebook, you can do so. Facebook.com slash the Jiggy Jaguar. And yes, live video at JiggyJaguar.com and also AMFM Football 7. Dot com as well. Before we get into our first topic here, let's tell you about one of our fantastic, fantastic new marketing partners at Transmedia Worldwide. This segment of our program is brought to you by these folks. It is AllenInsuranceColumbus.net. Medicare Advantages or Medicare Supplements Insurance is available at allaninsurancecolumbus.net. These folks are absolutely amazing. We know several people who have worked with them, and they report amazing results. Check out allaninsurancecolumbus.net. That's A-L-L-E-N-I-N-S-U-R-A-N-C-E-C-O-L-U-M-B-U-S.net. That's allaninsurancecolumbus.net, and tell them you heard about it here on Transmedia Worldwide. We welcome to the broadcast for this first segment, Mr. Dan Perkins. And uh, Dan has got an incredible commentary up on our website at JiggyJaguar.com. We also uh, know that he contributes a lot to the Hill. And um, Dan, let's take this first segment here. What, what do you want to cover? What is the most important issue that we need to be covering in this first segment here on iHeartRadio? Um, Jim, I think about what's going on or what happened in uh, Charleston, South Carolina. Yes, and, yes. And that, that, and, and the aftermath of that uh, that uh, catastrophic attack uh, could could probably fill an hour. <laughs> yes, and in fact, and in and in fact, while while I've got you, while, while you bring that up, Dan, next week uh, on on Tuesday, we're going to be taping. Uh, I'm going to be off all week next week uh, for Fourth of July holiday. However, on Tuesday, we are going to tape our regular hour that we do here with you and Don, and we're going to be having a special guest to discuss this situation. We're going to be having Larry Pratt from Gun Owners of America join us for our iHeartRadio program. It will be Don Mazzella, Dan Perkins, and of course, Larry Pratt. So, quick little programming note, but go ahead and jump in there, Dan. I, I didn't mean to cut you off, my friend. You just gave me an opportunity to plug our guests for next week. <laughs> Good. I aim to please. Um, in, in, the, in the op-ed that I wrote, what I basically said is this, this Mr. Roof, is he, is he mentally ill or is he terrorist? And you start off by trying to understand simply what 
and then you look at his activities and see if they fit the mold of a terrorist. Go to the dictionary. It, it's very simple. It says a terrorist is an individual or an organization through intimidation, coercion, or violence tries to change the way people are doing things or thinking to the way of, of their point of view. So just right there, if you just look at the, the dictionary definition of a terrorist, this man was clearly a terrorist. He was a terrorist in the same, in the same vein as the Foot, Fort Hood shootings, the beheadings in Oklahoma, um, the incident in New Jersey, and on and on and on. Now, so I believe that whether you uh, think he was crazy or not is really irrelevant. The man basically was trying to promote a point of view that he felt was important, and he used physical violence to try, as he said, start a race war. Didn't happen. Now, the thing that it probably had the greatest negative impact on me with that event was the president on Thursday. I was so angry at what he said that uh, I was uh, beside myself. This man said, and you can go go to do a Google search, and you can hear him say it. This it's it's it appears to him that this kind of violence is quote unique to America. Now, when I heard that. I said, no, wait a minute, Mr. President. There were 13 innocent people working in a newspaper in Paris, Charlie Hobdo, that were, were that terrorists walked in with machine guns, automatic weapons, and just destroyed them. There was a police officer who was wounded on the street who did not have a weapon, and they shot him at point-blank range as they walked away. A few days later... A bodega, as we call it in the Northeast, or a supermarket, or a market, uh, owned was had an, like I think nine Jewish people in it, and they came. The terrorists came in and this and destroyed all of them. And then we had, for example, the uh, the situation in uh, uh, in Canada where the soldier at the at the memorial of the unknown soldier was was brutally murdered, and another soldier was run over by a car. And we had situations in Australia. We have the incredible persecution and massacre of Christians in the Middle East by ISIL. None of these were mentioned by the president. So for him to say that this kind of an attack, this kind of assault, was unique to America, was to me at at the best disingenuous, and and at worst case. The man basically has no idea what's going on. The other thing that bothered me is that, according to the FBI, from January 1st, 2015, I'm just saying these dates again, Jim, January 1st, 2015, to May 30th, 2015, 996 shootings took place 
in the city of Chicago. Now, the president has spoke about Ferguson. He sent people to the funeral from the White House. He's spoken about what happened in Baltimore. And he spoke about what happened in Charleston. He has never spoken about what's happening in his own hometown. The mass wow, really? blacks on black. Never. Never brought that subject to the table. Holy and yet, smokes. Not only him, the Al Sharptons and the Jesse Jacksons, who's all Jackson, who is from Chicago, they've not raised the issue. And so when I hear the president condemning America that we're a lawless nation, that we're, we kill people discriminately, and it only happens here, it doesn't happen any other place in the world, to me is, is, is either total ignorance or total stupidity. And I, I think it probably is stupidity uh, in that he, he is not willing to emotionally address the issue of violence in our community. Now, just before I came on the air with you, I was doing another show uh, with a show out of Charleston, South Carolina. And I was on, on the show in the third segment with a minister from that community. And I said, I saw that Al Sharpton was not in Charleston. In fact, he was asked not to come. And the minister from Charleston said, that's exactly all the ministers, or as many as possible, got together and said he would do no good to come to Charleston. Now, the last two, quote, racial events, Mr. Sharpton wasn't around. He wasn't in Baltimore. We've talked about this once before. The chief of police, the mayor, the prosecutor were all black, and 50% of the population of the police force is black, and the Democratic Party has had control of the city of Baltimore for over 30 years. And the president in his stimulus package pumped $1.8 billion into the city of Baltimore alone. And so those last two situations, Mr. Sharpton was not invited, one, to go to, to, uh, to Charleston and could not go in and do his usual race baiting situation uh, that he does when he goes into places like, like uh, Ferguson. And so what we have is a president, in opinion, who is totally out of touch of the reality of the people and their ability to handle this situation in Charleston, South Carolina. Amazing. Well, we're gonna we're gonna do this. We're gonna take a quick time out here. We're gonna try to get Don on the telephone, and uh, we will be back with Dan Perkins. We've got more coming up here on the world famous Chicken Check Weight Show. Back here Jiggy Jaguar is better than me. I'm totally serious about that, too. Presented Jiggy Jaguar. 
We're back here on the big broadcast. Donald Mazzella has joined us here on the program, and we want to get back to the telephones, Mazzella and Perkins. I think you guys ought to open your own law firm. I think things would be uh, a lot smoother in this country if you guys were, were to do that. But, um, Don, uh, we had Dan speak about uh, Charleston in the last segment. What do you want to cover in this segment, my friend? Well, I want to talk about the deinstitutionalizing of America. Okay. Where the people are systematically uh, robbing us of our culture and our uh, uh, national institutions. I mean, I'm really upset about the fact that they want to take Hamilton off the uh, uh, money and put on a woman. Not because of putting on a woman, but here's a man that, by all accounts, established the economic system, uh, which made, made us a great nation. And by the way, there's a great biography of it. Uh, here's uh, uh, one of our founding fathers, uh, and, and we're saying to him he's no longer worth putting on on the uh, our currency. Well, you, and I take, uh, and it's interesting. I had a very interesting conversation last night with someone. Now they want to attack the Confederate flag, and and. No matter how you stand on this issue, the Civil War was the great divider of this country, but also the great unifier of this country. And people forget that most of the soldiers on the southern side were not slaveholders, though as my friend Charlie Hug pointed out last, most of the officers were. But the, the point was they were fighting for states' rights, which... Whether we like it or not, today we're fighting for uh, even more uh, in more difficult times because it's an insidious attack on it. And, and, you know, institution after institution, the Boy Scouts, all of the things that I grew up with, uh, the police, everything that I I grew up with and was taught to be good about this country, all of a sudden are coming under attack. And what are they coming out of an attack from the minorities uh, in this country who seem to say, we don't like the, uh, the fabric that was created and made, made us great. We want to change it. We want to uh, divide us. We don't want to unify us. And here's a, here are two or three other examples of this. And I just feel uh, very strongly that we're, we're going down uh, the wrong path and at some point we have to stop. Uh, Dan was talking about gun control. I saw a columnist today that pointed out that the, this nut went to a church where he knew there uh, no one had. But none of these nuts, and uh, Dan pointed out about the uh, the Connecticut school, none of these net nuts ever go to a police station and try to um, attack them because they know the the other side had guns. All of these things are tearing at the fabric of this country, and it's become more worrisome. What an other institution. Uh, we attacked the Catholic Church. We, uh, we're doing so many things in, the, in this country to tear us apart and to tear down the ideals. I don't know where it's going to stop unless we stop it. We have a, a president who was elected because he was called bring us together. And what has he done? He's done nothing but fight us. 
And I'll stop because Dan has a different take on the Confederate. Jump in there, Dan. Well, I, I, I think what, what's important to follow up with what you said, Don, is that, is that um, and these are my words, that there is a segment of our population that is embarrassed at our past. And they think that uh, America is uh, rapers and pillagers of the world and that we do not deserve the standing that we have. We must be taken down. And as I said before you got on the phone, I think that the president's comments of degrading America, why these events only happen in the United States, ignoring what was going on in Paris and other countries around the world, where tens of thousands of people have been murdered. He ignored all of that and placed the blame. And as you said during the break, Hillary's think there should be gun, new gun laws. Well, you know, this whole debate about guns, the, the man shot the nine people with a 45 caliber handgun that was legally purchased in the state of South Carolina. It wasn't an assault weapon. It wasn't an AK-47 lookalike. It was a 45-millimeter handgun. Now, uh, the reality is that we will probably never be able to identify all the people who are not sane, who are not altogether, who are radicals, whatever they are. But when you have your institutions, uh, all the things that help make this country a great country, including its constitution, under attack by another segment of our population, we have something, as Don said, we must be worried about. To move to the flag issue, um, I spent an, an amount of time in my life studying the American Civil War. I've been to almost all the battlefields more than once. I had Boy Scout tours on several occasions to the, to the Gettysburg Battlefield. Um, I have an extensive library of first edition books written by people who lived at the time, including almost all gathered officers. So I have spent a long time studying the Civil War, not only the battles, but understanding the decision-making process of the people. And Don's correct. The war was originally fought for states' rights. And how ironic it is that today we're fighting on issues before the Supreme Court for states' rights still. Now, there are people who are using and capitalizing on the situation of the nine people who were murdered, the genocide that took place inside that church, to, again, attack one of the symbols of our history, and that is, excuse me, the Confederate flag flag. They're saying it belongs in a museum because it's part of our past but shouldn't be part of our future. Somebody once said, if we do not remember our past, we are destined to repeat it. Good and bad. Now, there are people um, I heard yesterday on this ABC radio in New York, Gerardo Rivera, who was on the scene last week with not a lot to report, saying that in his mind, the Confederate flag 
is in the same nature as the, the German Nazi swastika flag. Now, I listened to that, and I tried as many times as I could to get into the program to talk to him, to tell him how wrong I thought that the person was, how inappropriate it was. And he was on again this morning talking about it again. I tried again to get on, but I couldn't get on. My point is that the difference between the two flags, one represented a nation that tried to destroy an entire race of people, the Jewish people. Those Jewish people are still persecution in Europe by some of the governments and people in Europe and even in the United States. The Confederate flag was a battle flag, important distinction, battle flag for the Confederate. They went into battle against the Union Army. And as I said, the rebellion started out, as Don pointed out, as a conflict between the North and the South over states' rights and the ability for the South to control its agricultural economy versus the North, that it was an industrial or manufacturing economy. The flag was a standard carried in battle by soldiers representing the South and their The people who say that the flag represents the, the slavery over hundreds of years of black people and that's why it needs to don't know what they're talking about i i understand let me if anybody should have a flag that should be flying high as a representation of slavery for centuries centuries it's the jewish people there's a there's a section in the bible called exodus it is where the jewish people left the slavery of Egypt. And so we go back thousands upon thousands of years where the Jewish people, as a group of people, were slaves in the Middle East. And yet, today, we are more concerned about the time. This is the point, again, that I disagreed with the president in his Sunday speech. The idea that we as a nation need to hold responsible the white people of this country for the actions of other people hundreds of years ago, to me, was an inappropriate statement by the president. I don't see how that, as Don says, unifies us, when again he's trying to separate us. You know, the young man in the church, Charleston, South Carolina, said what he hoped to accomplish was a race war. You know, between what the president said on Thursday and what he said on Sunday in his interview, he added fuel to the fire for a race war. Instead of instead of bringing us together, and people forget mm-hmm. that the Civil War was fought fought by white men and women seeking uh, seeking to to do what the president. Uh, seems to th- think we we did we aren't doing, which was to uh, liberate the slaves, um, and uh, by the way, create a unified nation. Uh, you know, you sit here. Well, I went to Georgia Tech in Atlanta in 1960, 
And every other car had a decal that said, an old Confederate soldier saying, forget hell. And, you know, but these were still the, the, the most loyal of, of uh, Americans who uh, cherished the, battle, the, uh, the battles their ancestors fought. And you sit here and you just um, listen to these demagogues talking about this. And, and you know, and these politicians, Barber in uh, uh, South Carolina, whatever, also uh, bowing to this uh, uh, outrage without taking a step back and saying, you know, what did that represent? As you said, it was a battle flag. It was a, um, a rallying cry. Uh, I'm, I'm surprised they're not asking that we should change the uh, American flag because it flew over a nation that was, uh, quote, so so poorly, uh, uh, I'm trying to remember exactly, but something about uh, what a poor nation it was. And a nation, when it fights a battle overseas, ask only one thing, as Colin Powell pointed out, General Colin Powell. We only ask for a piece of land to bury our dead. You know, uh, everybody else around here. I'm sorry if I sound so uh, hesitant. It's just because I'm so angry about this, this whole thing. But I, I'm worried more because it uh, goes back to Dan, what you've been saying for for uh, so many months about how they're trying to under, undermine our institutions. Uh, we just, uh, by the way, in uh, in my county of Bergen County, over the weekend, three black men shot three black. Women. Um, uh, party goers uh, who were unarmed and uh, they did it because they wa they wanted uh, some of the jewelry one of the men was wearing. I mean, there are more uh, shootings every day even in my county, which is a relatively prosperous one uh, than there are than there is in this one instance. <clears throat> I'm not equating the two, but the violence is there. And uh, most of the violence is black on black, uh, as police. But the worst thing I saw in today's paper was that the police and the uh, 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 Muslim community had come to agreement on how they were going to apply and surve surveillance the Muslim community. Going back to what you said earlier, uh, and uh, the slippery slope that everybody talks about, and the French police could not go into certain enclaves in Muslim communities. We're seeing right. that more and more here. We're, we're, see, we're seeing divisiveness. No-go zones in the United uh, States, just like they have all over Europe. Yes, which is absolutely ridiculous. Um, it, you know, it's an abdication of uh, authority and control, and it's dangerous. It's dangerous for the country. It's dangerous for the world. We won't even go into uh, uh, the Iran the thing, which, by the way, you notice how, how it's slipped off the front pages and barely talked about? Yet, what, what are we, ten, uh, seven days from June uh, uh, 30th when we're supposed to have an agreement yes. on the Iranian issue? Mm -hmm. I, I mean, uh, this 24-7 news cycle 
and we seem to um, uh, be, uh, you know, it's it's a 24-hour cycle, and we go on to the next thing. But we never really deeply examine these key issues. One of the things I love about this program is we go into a lot more detail on some uh, uh, issues that Americans should be awoken to. And, and, and could I just go on a little further? Oh, yeah, go ahead, go sure. ahead. Did you see the Supreme Court decision on on uh, the grape growers where they threw out uh, the government taking of the grapes without uh, compensation? And uh, it, it's essentially the Supreme Court ruled that the, uh, one of the agencies set up during the, the Depression by Franklin Roosevelt to control the, the supply of grapes amongst 28 other commodity products that I did not even know about, that, uh, where uh, the government and a trade organization could tell farmers how much they could sell uh, to, to stabilize prices, which might have been good during the Depression, but doesn't make any sense in today's world of transparency. And the Supreme Court voted um, uh, uh, eight to one with the uh, Justice Sotomayor uh, dissenting and saying that the government should be able to take without compensation, which is scary in itself. As she's the youngest member of the Supreme Court, and she'll be on there for a while. All of these issues are not being properly discussed. Uh, it, it wasn't even discussed, by the way, in the New York Times. I could not find the article about it in the New York Times today. How are people going to know that our government could, and in the case that was for them, go to a farmer and say, we're taking 48% of your crop, and we're not compensating you for it? And if people really want to see it, Justice Roberts' decision, um, uh, uh, opinion on it is eye-opening as to what, what is going on. But all of these are institutions. Uh, ground, and you said it, Dan. You say undermining the Constitution. Mm -hmm. Slowly but surely, we're undermining the safeguards of, Amer of the American people. We're uh, certainly a silenced dissent. Uh, the left is progressive. The, the, the right are kooks. You know, and I blame part of the media on this. And and. and uh, by the way, we didn't get a chance to talk about this. Did, did you see Brian Williams is back? As I said, he's back. <laughs> yes, yes. Let, let's do this. We're, we need we need to take a break. When we come back, let's let's uh, let's talk about that. Brian Williams is back. I just don't understand why. <laughs> but we're gonna take a timeout. Coming up, final segment with Mazella and Perkins talking about Brian Williams here. Well, thanks, Chicken Tech. Presenting Jiggy Jaguar. Back. 
fact here on our big broadcast, coast to coast and border to border on iHeartRadio today. Also, the Jiggy Jaguar Radio Network. We've got Donald Mazzella, Dan Perkins with us today. And Don, you mentioned before we went to break that Brian Williams is back. He's going to be on MSNBC. Uh, I, I want you guys to kind of bat this around because I know Don, you, you kind of you kind of predicted that uh, different things with Brian Williams. So jump in there. No, I just knew that uh, uh, they would somehow resurrect him. And I also, within a year or 18 months, he'll be back in the uh, anchor chair at NBC. You know, I uh, I worked there in, the, in its real glory years, uh, the, uh, the 60s, when it was re- really a top-notch organization. And, and to see that how uh, they sold out to entertainment and hard news is... Uh, really not uh, their thing anymore. If it bleeds, it bleeds is how things have uh, become. And this, um, uh, this church massacre is a great example of it. There are other things happening in this country of far greater import, but yet we're wall-to-wall coverage with that. And Brian Williams is part and parcel of, of this. I point out to you that Dan Rather never really recovered from the flawed report on President Bush during the campaign. And uh, I I doubt if Brian will ever attain the credibility that he had before, nor the power that he had before. And by the way, if you read the New York Post and other publications, he's not very well liked inside the organization. And uh, uh, he also took out after MSNBC uh, and and other... uh, other uh, cable channels uh, about a year and a half ago, and uh, be careful what you say. It may come back to kill you, and uh, be interesting, uh, the reception he'll get at MSNBC when he arrives there in the next couple of weeks. But could I also point out a thing? His downfall came because of this group, the change, where where social media finally finally demonstrated its power over uh, uh, the other media. Because these, if you read the story, the very interesting story in, in uh, I think it was the Times, the fact was that these helicopter pilots tried to sell that story in uh, 2002, and no one would listen to them. And what happened is when he repeated it recently, they went on Twitter and Facebook and once again uh, uh, brought it up. And this time, difference 13 years, the the social media picked it up, and and NBC was stupid enough to put up the interview on uh, YouTube, and from there on it became a viral event. It tells you how the world is changing in media and and what it really means. Dan wants to talk about the fact that uh, which is a fact I didn't realize until he pointed it out, that Rush Limbaugh actually talks to more people than the, than the, uh, uh, the three major news channels. And that's a fascinating statistic. And I'll turn it over to Dan. Yeah, I, I find it amazing that at the, in the news hour, uh, for example, CNBC uh gets about 300 to 400,000 
viewers, 300 to 400,000 viewers. My guess is that this show over the 50 station network probably draws more people than that. Yeah. Um, yep. MSNBC is down into the hundreds, less than 100,000 people watch their prime time. Now, from a business standpoint, I don't understand why that channel's still existing. But the point I want to make about Brian Williams is is that he is representative of a change in the value system in our country. And you can lie, you can mislead people, but if you are humble enough and contrite enough, you get it back. And so in looking at when this is announced that he was coming back, I was watching some of the various shows and on there were reporters like Dodd. And these people were absolutely vehement. He should never be allowed to come back, period, never. Because he broke the trust. He lied about the truth, and he didn't tell the truth, and he did it consistently for a number of years. So, but NBC, which is, uh, I believe a liberal organization, at least the way they present the news, is liberal. Um, it doesn't seem, you know, the idea that that, that, that was that was uh, uh, banding about was how the executives at NBC agonized over the decision about what to do with Williams. I think that's, I don't think they agonized at it at all. They basically had to put up some kind of a front to, to address it, but I don't think he was ever in danger of being fired. And I think Don's right that uh, he'll do his time on NBC as a breaking news anchor, and sometime if Lester Holt's numbers continue to fall to ABC News, the, quote, the entertainment division will be getting to look at what they can charge on commercials of the news program, and they're going to be talking about the possibility of bringing Brian Williams back because they can charge a higher per capita rate for the television commercials, at least initially, till they see what, how, what kind of a draw he is over Lester Holtz. And so it's another example of institutions uh, that, are, that are attacking the very fiber of what it is we grew up with as young men and children in our various neighborhoods growing up. The, uh, I was listening this morning to the discussion about the policemen, the guards at Rikers Island, that the respect for the police is, is gone, that as a guard there you could expect to have urine and feces thrown in your face as a guard, and you can't do anything about it. So we have... We have developed a culture in our country today that we have no respect for the law and we have no respect for the people who are responsible for carrying out the law. Bratton was interviewed this morning, and, and de Blasio was against the city council's wishes about adding new policemen. De Blasio was saying, we don't need it. I don't want them. The city council overrode him, and, and they're hiring 1,348 new police officers. 
But when Bratton was being interviewed this morning, that went them to about 37,000 policemen. When Bratton was commissioner, he was asked, what was the police force? 41,000 in blue. So even if they bring in 1,300-plus new, new police officers, they're not back to where it was. And what, they, what Bratton was saying is that the council is pressure from the people in the city because crime rate is up, murders are up, rapes are up, break-ins are up, gun shootings are up. And so they've got to do something about it to try and bring it under control. But it's, again, it's a continuation of this, as Don was talking about just a few minutes ago, the, the idea that we will kill people. We have had a loss of respect for the value of a human life and the gay neighborhoods that are doing all the kill a lot of the killing in New York City have no no value proposition for the value of a human life. They will blow you away in a heartbeat because it it either is something they want to do or something that uh, helps them in whatever it is they're trying to do. So we have a value system collapsing in this country and I don't know where it hits bottom. Well, look at, uh, ahead, at England. Look at England. For a century, police did not carry firearms. Now, half of all the police force in England now carries a, fu a firearm. And now, before, there were specially trained squads in England that were only permitted to carry guns. Now, every policeman in uh, England must qualify to carry a gun. I mean... Uh, just look at there. It, it started in, in the sixth. It, uh, it broke down. It's it's breaking down here, and it's breaking down uh, again. I'll go go to our media because our media uh, has an antag our major media has an antagonistic view of the of policemen and police women, and the idea that. Uh, if you hear the editorials about broken women, uh, windows and the idea of quality of life, Jul uh, Mayor Giuliani broke the cycle of, of vicious crime by pulling people off the street. Uh, Bloomberg conti continued it. Uh, Chicago does not have that, and it has the highest, uh, one of the highest murder rates in the country. Yet they, right. they will not, they refuse to go to it. It, it tells you, the and they breakdown. have, and they have some. They have supposedly Chicago has some of the most difficult gun laws, laws in the in the uh, in the world. There was this guy just following us. I know we're almost out of time, but there was this guy who was being interviewed about. The question was, why do we have? Why do Americans have so many guns? He said, why don't we just? Why don't we just take away all guns? And one one person said, wait a minute. So you want to you want to abolish the Second Amendment and take away all guns from all Americans? There's a again, this is a classic example of the stupidity of political correctness. Because the person said, "So how do you get the guns from the criminals? They're going to get them illegally, and they're going to use them. And knowing that the population is unarmed." That's going to be a deterrent? No. Crime will go even higher because there is no offset to the criminals getting the guns illegally. Well, you, remember, not going to... you remember that old saying, 
if, I, if uh, guns are outlawed, only outlaws will have guns. People right. deride it. That's <laughs> but true. it's a very accurate uh, statement. Uh, you can't, but it, it, you it, can't take this. Go ahead. My point, my point is, it, my point is that it is a perfect example of the flaw of political correctness. Political correctness, we should take away the guns. But you assume that because you say it's so, everybody will comply. Well, the bad guys are not going to comply. So by not thinking about the, the, the possible ramifications of your decision, the unintended consequences, if the unintended consequences of a decision are not given equal weight to the intended consequences, then it's a flawed decision. And I believe that they're looking at it. There was University of California, again, another pack, if you would. Uh, there are people in the university system in California who want all American flags off the campus because they believe that it's a racist flag. And again, this is a discussion that we had either last week or the week before about this this new trans, transgender or transracial or trans left-handed blue-eyed blonde uh, that we have gotten to the point it, it isn't making any sense anymore. There doesn't seem to be, and we hear these these stupid things that are coming out of the the elementary schools, the high schools, and the colleges about how we're going to teach. We can no longer, in the California university system, you can no longer teach or use the words that America is a melting pot. That's racially biased. And, uh, and so the idea is that we're trying to, to homogenize the thinking in this country, well, it's the lack of homogenization that made this country great. And as you neuter it, as you castrate it from its from its energy and its enthusiasm, you're going to have a country that who knows what's going to happen, but it's not going the right direction. To what the latest survey, did you see that? 57% of the people in the NBC... Uh Washington Post um, poll said that they uh, they did not think the country was going in the right direction, which bodes right. ill for uh, uh, Hillary. Uh, and, and and by the way, uh, if you read today's papers and today's uh, various things, uh, they're saying that Hillary will be the the, the, the uh, nominee, but uh, but she has a lot to worry about. Uh, so are you changing? Are you telling us you're changing your mind? No, I'm just saying that uh, uh, I'm shaken, but not ch chastened yet. Um, okay. I, uh, again, I'm, I'm always willing to admit when I'm wrong, but, I, but so okay. far uh, I, I, I have at least a year before someone can say I was wrong. You know? Okay. All right. So, so, so Jim, we're, we're going we're gonna, we're gonna to tape next week's show. Is that what you said? We're going we're gonna to actually do next week's show uh, in, in the regular time slot. We just won't be live with it. 
And uh, next week we're going to be uh, Donald Mazzella, Dan Perkins will be back. We're going to have a special guest with us. It will be Larry Pratt from Gun Owners of America, and we'll be discussing the uh, Charleston situation, Second Amendment things uh, for for an entire hour, and it will be uh, commercial free uh, via AMFM247.com. And uh, gentlemen, before we let you go, how do we how do we touch base with you, Don? How do we get a hold of you, my friend? Well, again, smallbusinessdigestmag.com is up and running. And uh, uh, it's interesting. We've had a surge of people come. I guess uh, they, uh, if nothing else, uh, express uh, solidarity uh, <laughs> or, or curiosity. I don't know which. But smallbusinessdigestmag.com. And hopefully but within the, the next 10 days, I'll have uh, the date in which you can purchase my book, um, An American Family uh, Sampler, uh, The Founding Years. And then I can, and I'll have my website just like Dan, and we can uh, uh, have dueling uh, commercials. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Dan, uh, how, how do we get a hold of you, my friend? Uh, for the book, you go to danperkins.guru, uh, and you can see... Uh, Download a portion of books one, two, and three for free. Uh, the for the soldiers is songs and stories for soldiers us, and we have crossed on a year-to-date basis over a hundred and ten thousand hits on that website. Wow. Amazing stuff. Well, gentlemen, I will uh, talk to you guys next week, and uh, have have yourself a good rest of the week. And tomorrow, uh, Dan, you will be back with us because uh, it is the uh, last Wednesday of the month, and we're going to have you speak with uh, Mr. IQ tomorrow. So that should be uh, very entertaining. So uh, we will we will talk to you tomorrow. Don, we'll talk to you next week when we talk to uh, Larry Pratt, and you guys have yourself a wonderful rest of the week, and uh, we'll, we'll see you guys next time appreciate it guys thank you take care thank you much we're gonna take a break and when we come back we've got more coming up here on the world famous cheeky jaguar show are you upset at the high cost of cable poor customer service lousy reception 